0: Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're going to get into Staying in Love Part 2 with Pastor Rick. Enjoy. Well, we're going to continue this morning on our Staying in Love series Part 2. How many enjoyed last week? Raise your hand. How many had a little spark flare up in their in their relationship? Yes? Okay. A spark, hopefully more than that. And this morning, I want to focus on our attitudes and our words. Words are powerful. Maybe you have been that person in that video. Maybe you've been put out in the doghouse, on the couch, whatever that may be, because of some word that you used or maybe a word you failed to use. And the important thing, though, is that we apologize, that we just say, you know what, honey? I'm sorry, I blew it, I apologize, and I need you to forgive me. That's the other side of it. It's very easy to say, oh, I messed up, I'm sorry, but it's more powerful, and I'm giving you a, some help here this morning, if you follow that up and say, I need you to forgive me now. That, that is extremely powerful. So here's what I did years ago. Using words when I first met Anna, maybe some of you can relate to this, but I told her as I looked into her eyes, into her beautiful hazel eyes, depending on how that sunlight hits her, and I said, Anna, did you know that God created you for me to love? He picked you out from all the rest because he knew I'd love you best. I had a heart and it was true, but now it's gone from me to you. Take care of it as I have done, for you have two and I have none. If I get to heaven before you're there, I'll carve your name on a golden stair. But if you're not there by Judgment Day, I'll know you've gone the other way. <laughs> and I, I, can keep going, but I'll stop right there. Anybody relate to that? You said something similar to your soon-to-be spouse. Maybe you, you still do that. Maybe you're the romantic type. Maybe you, you go home, you know, and you put on Barry White. You know, you put on Luther Vandross. What was that last week, brother? Love you, love you, baby. love you, love, you, love you, baby. Oh, I wish I could speak like that. <laughs> but but see, that's the thing. In relationships, we got to continually work at it. It's not a one-time deal that... Okay, I said I love you, and until that changes, I'll let you know. No, it's a continual thing. We need to constantly, constantly be telling our spouse that and appreciate them for the person they are. Not follow it up with, "Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, what's for dinner?" You know, no, don't go there. Don't be that man or don't be that woman. You know, okay, I'm sorry. You know, I've got this honeydew list that you've been sitting on for six months. There's a time and a place for all that, right? So this morning, we're going to continue in this series. And the question this morning that I posed to you last week, is it possible for two people to stay in love? Is it possible for two people to stay in love for a long time? Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. We can all agree to say yes. Now the world will tell you, Nah, more than likely fifty percent of your relationships are going to end up in divorce and God's word is here to remind us that no, it doesn't have to be that way. It takes work. How many know that almost sixty percent of all marriages fail nowadays? Almost sixty percent. Now God can use that situation and restore you and bring you into a loving relationship. Um, I know that. I know that from firsthand experience. Many of you here know that as well. Uh, God's not done with you. You know, we can we can feel beat up when we go through relationships that fail. And you can allow the devil to beat you up and and kick you down and kick sand in your face and feel like you're not anybody that you're worthless that you'll never ever meet somebody that God has for you I'm here to remind you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life amen Amen. and he does want you to meet if you're a single person here today he does want you to meet that person for your life that you can happily stay in love with amen now There's something in you and me, just like God, that desires to have a close, intimate relationship with someone. How many can say amen to that? There's something inside of you. You don't recognize it maybe as a young child, but... Soon after those hormones kick in, and I'm not just talking hormone, you know, teenage level stuff. I'm talking about this deep down natural identity that starts to come out in you that desires to have an intimate relationship with someone. And God, if you pursue him and seek God and seek his will for you, will provide that person for you. That person is not going to come knocking on your door you got to put yourself in the right places to meet that person. I'm talking about church. I'm talking about Bible studies. I'm talking about those types of things where you put yourself with the fellowship of other believers. And if you're single here today, God will put that person there in front of you. You're not going to meet them at at the disco. Do they have discos anymore? I'm dating myself. You're not going to meet them at the club. You're not going to meet them at the rave next week. You're not, it's not going to take place. Now you can meet someone there and get out of the will of God and set yourself up for possible failure, but that's not what God wants for you. Can anybody say amen? amen? So we're going to continue this week. And how many last week took what I said, make love a verb. God wants you to make love, right? A verb is what I said. God wants you to make love. A verb. How many did that last week? You put it into action. And I didn't put it up on the screen, but I was going to. Last week when we left church, I saw love in action. And I took a picture of Brother Ed opening his door for his wonderful wife as she gets in the car. Amen, give him a hand clap. You know why? Every single time I've ever seen this couple... He does that. I have never seen him not open the door for his wonderful wife. That is love in action. That is an example for every man in this house today. Yes. Amen? Can you say amen? amen? Amen. Amen. Women, can you say amen, amen. even louder? Amen. <laughs> amen. So again, love is an action. Love is a verb. It is something you do. It's not a noun. It's not, well, love. It's, it's, it's an action term. Learn to do love. Don't take your cues from what the world tells you to do. Because the world is so messed up when it comes to this subject. They think that love is, is you know, you, you see that person and your eyes meet from across the room. And you say, oh, that's the man that I want. That's the woman that I want. And, and that it's just an emotion. Love is much more beyond that. How many know that? Amen. Even though that could happen, that can possibly happen. You could have maybe met your wife, future spouse, and saw each other for the first time, and said, "That's the woman for me, That's the man for me." I'm not saying that God can't do that, but it's much, much more than that. Amen. John 13:34 through35, our scripture verse this morning said this, "A new command I give you: love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another." By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You know that the hardest thing to do is to love your spouse when you're in the middle of a little spat, right? Not that that happens here. None of you here get in disagreements. We won't call them arguments. We'll just call them disagreements. But the hardest thing to do is love that person. When you know you're right, especially when you know you're right, but... What's the important thing? Is the important thing to be right? Or is the important thing to show love? It's to show love. You're not going to have a marriage like Domingo and Nena, 52 years. You're not going to have a marriage that lasts that long if you always want to be right. If you always want to point out, well no, it was this way. That critical attitude is only going to last very short before someone says, I'm out of here, right? Because that's what the world does. That's what the world will tell you what to do. So today, we're going to take an in-depth look at what does it mean to love how Christ loved. See, Christ's love was sacrificial. It said, you first, I will step back. And really, that's the love that we need to display and honor our spouses with. How many are with me this morning? Amen? Okay, can I ask you one favor? Can you stand with me while we read this uh, scripture verse uh, found in 1 Corinthians? It's in your outline if you don't have your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. This is called the love chapter. And starting in verse 4, it says the following Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word. You show us through your word how to love one another. Father, may we all love as you love the church. Lord, you sent your son to die on that cross with a sacrificial love. Jesus went to that cross and died for you and me. Church, here today, he died for you and me. Lord, help us to be sacrificial in our love towards each other, towards our spouses, may we grasp just a glimpse, Lord, of what you were teaching. And Father, we pray that this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. Look at your neighbor before you're seated and tell him, you look, good. you look good. You may be seated this morning. Amen, amen. Well, you know, marriage, how many have figured out marriage is, is work? Have you figured that out yet? Marriage is work. How many had to work at it the first month of marriage? Probably not a one person. Well, maybe some of you had to. You, but most of us, it came really easy. That relationship just flowed. And, and much like when you were first dating, you're thinking, man, this is great. It's going to go wonderfully for me and my spouse forever. We're going to have the, the perfect marriage. But how many know there's no such thing as a perfect marriage? There is not a perfect marriage because we're imperfect people in an imperfect world and therefore we're always going to fall short. I always say that about us here as individuals. We're imperfect people. But yet we can strive to be the best that God has called us to be, amen? God has given you and filled you with His Holy Spirit, not just for you, but it's so that you can love others, that through you, the light of Christ can shine. Through you, you can impact those around you, amen? Especially, especially your family, your little bubble, your family unit, That wherever that may go, you affect them, especially as the man, the spiritual leader. You have such great influence in your family. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8 declare some promises of his word to us. And I want you to turn there, find that place in the Bible. If not, I have it also on your outline. But before I even read that, I want to make sure you understand this. You are not the most important person in the room. You are not the most important person in your relationship. You are not the most important person. I am not the most important person. When you're married, you have to allow and and have the attitude that your spouse is more important. You have to take a, a back seat, and I promise you one thing. If you have that attitude, your marriage will always flourish. Your marriage will succeed. But if you always try to step on your spouse, step over your spouse, not respect them in that way, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Your marriage will go like this. It'll be a yo-yo. There will be some days great, a lot of bad days. If you respect and learn to respect each other, And I could say a lot of things just about that one word alone. There's some words that Anna and I never, ever, ever bring up. Like, for example, we never, and we agreed to this before we ever got married, we never bring up the D word. And we all know what the D word means in a marriage, divorce. We never bring it up. Why? Because that's not on our agenda. That's not in our plan. Um, And and we we agreed that if that ever came up, um, that was it, you know, but... But it's not even part of our thinking or our thought process. There are things that we don't rehash. For example, we don't say, well, I remember the time when, okay, right there, it's over. The arguments, it just escalated. You just created World War III if you've ever done that. You have to learn to just forget the past. How many know here today, recognize that Jesus not only forgave you of your sins, He said He'd toss your sins into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against you again. As far as the East is from the West. So why should I, why do I think I have the ability or power to bring up and rehash the past of what my spouse may have done, or what maybe somebody here may have done? Am I better than God? No. No. God forbid that I do that. And if I ever catch myself even thinking that, I say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me and give me a clean and a contrite heart, a new spirit within me so that I may think the way you want me to think. And believe me, if you've ever gone there with your spouse, you're setting yourself up for trouble the minute you go back to something that's occurred in the past. Leave the past buried. Can anybody say amen? Amen. So Philippians chapter 2, starting... In verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That is so easy to, to understand and hear, but so hard to live sometimes. Again, why? Because the world tells you, we're number one. Look out for number one. Somebody coming at you, step on them. Kick them out of the way. You're number one. You deserve that. They don't deserve that. You deserve it. You're entitled. Don't get me started on entitlement. I shouldn't have even brought that word up. Because our younger generation, right? They feel so entitled. They feel so entitled. And we, especially the older generations, knew that it took hard work. It took perseverance. It took being a man of your word, being a woman of character. And and then you get these things. But this younger generation, boy, they feel so entitled. And here the Bible is saying, value others above yourselves. Be humble before the Lord. And before your spouse. You want to you succeed in your marriage? Be humble. Be humble before them. They will respect you like never before. Again don't correct them I've seen I've seen uh, women and men as well but particularly women when they correct a husband and they yell at him that's not what happened and yada 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 and it was like disrespect in front of others in front of others okay now if you need to do that do that behind closed doors but don't ever do that in front of others never Never do that in front of others. That man, that woman is going to feel disrespected, unloved. They're not going to want to have anything to do with you. They're going to say, talk to the hand when you come back to them. And say, I'm sorry. They're not going to want to talk to you. Be humble. Be humble. Amen? Amen. Respect, honor. Paul, who wrote this part of the scripture, is saying that that's how you treat your loved ones. That's how you were to treat them. Again, I can't fail to go back to our beloved brother Domingo who just passed away last night. He was a great example of that, of being a humble servant of God. He would come up to you and he'd almost want to bow in front of you. You know, At least that's what I always got from him. Smile ear to ear and just be so grateful for, for God and what God had done in his life. A great example for all of us. How much more should we be like that? Be a humble servant. Amen? Now remember this. Love is a decision you make. A lifestyle you choose to live. It's a verb that requires action. Value your spouse. Value them first. Today when you go to go watch the Super Bowl or whatever you plan to do on the rest of your Sunday. Begin to value your spouse like never before. And you watch... Later Sunday evening is going to roll around, and then what's going to happen, brother? Who loves you, baby? Right? Okay. Who loves you, baby? You know. <laughs> Amen. There's there's benefits to loving your spouse the right way, yeah. the biblical way. Verse four says this: Do not look to your own interests, but rather to the interests of others. What that's telling us is discover an interest in your spouse's life that you too can relate to. Anybody ever do something, if you're married today, anybody ever do something with their spouse that you really didn't want to do but you did it because you knew that was pleasing to your spouse? Go ahead, admit it. You can. We've all done something similar to that, right? For me, it's, it's shopping. I can't stand to go shopping. I know a few men that are like that. Right? Probably all the men in here. But my thing is, I don't like to go shopping. But I know when I go shopping with my wife to the mall or wherever it may be, it brightens her day up. She's like, I got my man with me, and we're going shopping, and he's got all the money, and I can spend, span, span. No, it's not about that. She's happy that I'm with her. And the whole time I'm like, I'm doing this for Anna. I'm doing this for my wife because I love her. Not because I love to go shopping. Well, whatever that is, find an interest... And, and share that. That's love in action. Amen? It's love in action. When we first dated... Anna loved to go to the city. That's her favorite place to go. She just loved the lights, the, the atmosphere in the city. I didn't really care to go to the city all that often. I used to go when I was a lot younger. and um, But she liked to go and do the all the tourist attractions. She just loves that atmosphere. So we would go there a lot. Our, in fact, our f- very first date was in San Francisco. And we had a great date that night. And um, so I think that's partially why she loves the city. Because our first date was in San Francisco. You've got to, spouses today, if you find something that your spouse loves to do, even though you don't like it, you've got to jump in there and just share with them. Amen? Yeah. Verse 5. Let's continue in this uh, chapter 2, verse 5 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is one of the greatest verses in the entire Bible there. Jesus humbled himself, became obedient even to death, and was nailed on a cross like this. And he said to each of you, that's how much I love you. That's how much he loves you. See, you can maintain your rights or you can rel- relinquish your rights you can let go and be loving for example when you're in that disagreement with your spouse as I mentioned earlier you can choose to, to win that fight and choose to, to be right and choose to point out why you're right or you can just humbly say okay, yes, yes and, and, and move on, move past that You can win the battle, but what you're going to do is you're going to lose the war. You're going to lose the war, and there won't be no more what, brother? No more love. Who loves you, baby? There won't be any more of that. Thank you. I'm going to keep going to you. It's it's important that we recognize that, that we submit ourselves to our spouses as much as As you don't want to do that, as much as your nature doesn't want to do that at times. We know that that's what makes a thriving relationship, amen? Jesus was our example for that. I can maintain getting things my way, or I can let go and be loving. I mean, let's face it, we all want to have things our way. We all want to, you know, have things go our way. We don't want to have to go out of our way to do something, but let's remember to be loving in the process. Amen? Amen? To stay in love, I must let go of my rights and be loving. That's another hard topic for us to do, to admit. Uh, you know, letting go of our rights, meaning that, well, I have the right to do this, or I, I should have the, the right to do that, but sometimes it's not about the rights. It's about just doing the right thing and be loving. And that's part of what I'm talking about, work in your relationship. Working at it, working at it daily, working at it weekly, monthly. Date nights are so important. We had a date night last week, we didn't have one this week. And we try to do them as often as we can, weekly if possible. Vitally important, if you're married here today, if you want to get married, that you have a regular date night. That you can look into your spouse's eyes and look while you're having dinner. At In-N-Out. Or wherever it may be. It doesn't have to be a fancy place. They don't. Your spouse doesn't really care about the, the fancy place. They care about being with you. That's right. About being with you. And look into her eyes. Look into his eyes. And just like that video that we watched. Begin to pour words of love. Who loves you baby? And all those wonderful scriptures. Excuse me. Words. That that you know that they're going to find appealing, attractive, because you mean them from your heart. It's not you're just saying them. You mean them from your heart, because that's your spouse that you promise to live with for the rest of your life, that you made a covenant with, and you're going to say, come hell or high water, this is what I'm going to do with God's help. How many know that you need God's help in your marriage? Amen. You need God's help. and I, And I get it. It's hard when, when only one of you has God on your side and the other other spouse does not have God in their life. I get it. It's hard. But God did give you His Holy Spirit to give you wisdom to, to manage that. So if, that, if that's you today, or maybe you know somebody in that condition, God gives you His Holy Spirit to manage that relationship. Amen? He doesn't leave us alone. Here's what Christ did. Christ let go of what he deserved so you and I could receive what we don't deserve, which is his unconditional love. You see, that's the greatest, greatest love that we could ever have, unconditional love. That means when you were sinners, when you were yet sinners, when you were still out there at the discos, when you were still out there at the raves, at the clubs, God still loved you. He still said, I love you. And when you came to your senses, as the prodigal son did, and said and realized, what am I doing here? What am I doing with my life? Where am I going with my life? When you came to your senses, God drew you by His Holy Spirit. And He called you His son, His daughter, as you confessed your sins to Him. And as you began a new chapter in your life, as you became a new creation, He said, behold, all the old things are gone. Behold, all the new has arrived. You're a new creation. You're a new creation in Christ, amen? Amen. Number one, I want to break out a few points to you. To stay in love requires that I yield my needs to the needs of the one I want to be loving to. Did you hear that? To stay in love, it requires that I... Everybody say, I I." yield my needs to the needs of the one I want to be loving to. Again, submitting. It doesn't matter if you're the man. Yeah, I know the Bible says wives submit to your husbands, but this is a two-way street. The Bible's also talking to every man in here. And Jesus Christ was our loving example. Christ said, Christ, the word of God says that Christ loved the church. And just as Christ loved the church, we are to love our spouses. It's almost a greater onus on the man because of Christ's sacrificial love. We, men, we have to be very careful how we love our spouse. We have to be loving. We do have to submit. We do have to recognize that I don't need to win the battle. I don't need to be right. I need to show love. I need to show submissiveness, even to my spouse. Sometimes even to your children. Recognize that? Sometimes you need to be submissive to your children in terms of, Letting them see your humbleness before you. Letting them see that you can step away and say, Lord, have your way right now in this moment. Amen. Don't correct your spouse when they're wrong. Okay, let's get that out of the way right now. Don't be correcting them when they're wrong. You know, just like any spouse, you've been married for a length of time. We've been married for 22 years. It'll be 22 years this July. But... There's a there's a time where you hear the same story, you know. As as couples, you tell stories, and you and so when you meet somebody, well, yeah, we went camping and we went here and we went there, and then your spouse is telling the story and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, time out, that's not the way it happened. Now you can you can interject and say, no, honey, no, remember we went here, and we and your husband's gonna and and, and these people that you're trying to tell the story to, they're going to be looking at you like, what's going on? Just let them tell the story. Let them tell the story. It's their story. You can tell your own story later, okay? You don't have to be right because what may happen is that spouse may come back later and feel a little hurt because you stopped their story right in the middle of this conversation in front of other people and it's not important at the end of the day. It's not important. What is important is that you humble yourself and step back Let your spouse be number one. Just lift up your spouse. And if you do that, your spouse then in turn is going to lift you up. And I promise you, you will have a blessed, blessed marriage. You will be able to overcome any issue that comes at you. Amen? Here's another key. Don't blame them for the wrong. Take the blame for, for yourself. You ever hear those stories too? Your spouse is saying, and, and you know, Anna could be saying, yeah, and then Rick did this, and then, then we got into trouble, and, and you could, say, I could say, no, I didn't do that. I could just say, yeah, I blew it. I messed up, and just continue. Now, maybe I was right. Maybe I didn't do wrong. Maybe she's just seeing it, remembering it incorrectly. Maybe it's your spouse, your wife that, that was wrong. Hey, just let it go let it go. Don't rehash the past. Let the past stay in the past. Can I get an amen? amen. Yes. yes, that is so important. Probably one of the biggest keys there in marriage relationships. How to stay in love. Leave the past buried. God left it buried for you. Don't go dig out the trash. Yes. Don't go dig it out. Leave it there. Leave it there. Amen. Yes. Number two, Christ modeled that you and I must die to ourselves so that there may be an intimate love relationship with the one we love. Let me repeat that again. Christ modeled that you and I must die to ourselves so that there may be an intimate love relationship with the one we love. Let's face it right here. How many marriages want to have a deep intimate relationship with your spouse? That should be every single one of you married couples here today. You know, I gave the instruct the, the example of the woman or a man correcting their spouse in front of a crowd or disrespecting them, right? There's certain cultures Usually, minority cultures, typically, you know, where that's a big taboo, that's a big no-no, you know, where you disrespect one or the other. And it's not just a, I'm here to tell you, it's not just a minority thing or a cultural thing. That's a spiritual thing. That's a, that's a biblical principle. God doesn't want you to disrespect each other. He wants you to value your spouse before the other, before yourself. He wants you to value them. You can spend the rest of your life being right, or you can be happy. You should make up your mind today. Do you want to be right, or do you want to be happy? And I love this expression that we use. A happy wife is a happy life, man, oh. right? A happy wife is a happy life. I go, to my, uh, I go to the Solano Mall with my wife because I want a happy wife. And a happy life. She's happy. She's blessed. She got what she wanted. And I'm with her. Win, 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 win. Who loves you, baby? Exactly. You can spend the rest of your life trying to make a point. Trying to be right. Trying to make a point. You can spend the rest of your life winning all the arguments that come up. How many know people like that? Don't raise your hand if that's you. Don't nudge your spouse if that's him or her. But you won't be in love at the end of this process if that's you. It does not pay to be right all the time. It does not pay unless you're a math instructor in school. Unless you're a band instructor in school. Unless you're an instructor somewhere at some school. It doesn't pay to be right. I'm trying to tell you how to live with a deep intimate relationship with your spouse. Amen. Point number 3, Christ discounted the opportunity to be right so he could be loving to others and have a have a loving relationship. If there was anybody here that ever walked the face of the earth that was right and had every reason to stand up and defend himself, was Jesus Christ. That's right. Amen. If there was anybody that could stand up, it was Jesus Christ. But yet He lovingly, He willingly, He obediently went to the cross when He didn't have to. He was the only one without sin. You and I are sinners, saved by grace, amen? Saved by grace. But yet He, without sin, went to the cross for you and I today so that we could be like Domingo, enter into the presence of God Almighty with a smile from ear to ear. The day before his death, declaring, I'm ready to go. God is good. How precious is that? How precious is that? To be loving and to stay in love with his bride, the church. God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to throw it away. He doesn't want you to put yourself above himself above God or above your other, above your spouse. He wants you to be obedient and humble yourselves today. To be honoring is to treat your spouse like they are the most important person in the world. So when I say go out on those date nights, don't be flipping through your cell phone. Don't be checking your text messages, your Twitter, your Periscope, your whatever's out there be checking all that garbage. Look and gaze into your spouse's eyes and begin to tell them, did you know that God created you for me to love? He picked you out from all the rest because he knew I'd love you best. I had a heart and it was true, but now it's gone from me to you. Begin to declare words like that. And you watch, you watch what happens in return. And it's not just words that you're telling them. You're, you're saying them from the depth of your soul, of your spirit. And that gets reciprocated. Amen? Amen? Love is a verb. It is something you do. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. It's called work. Everybody say work. 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 Is it worth it? Yes. I didn't hear you. Is it worth it? Yes. Amen. Is there sacrifices? Yes. Yes, there is sacrifices. Yes, it is hard. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. It's worth it. If you're here today and you're struggling, maybe your relationship has hit some bumps. Maybe that's you. You've been struggling with that. I want to remind you, God is going to make it worth it for you when you begin to put yourself in the background and lift up your spouse. Lift him up. Lift her up. God will put a flame and He'll put a fire in your marriage that He will rekindle it. He will put you on this place that you've never been before. He'll have you speaking love language to each other like you've never spoken before. And He will bless your marriage. He will bless it. I have, again, like I shared last week, I have a great example of my parents. 57, 58 years this year, this July, that they'll have been married. 58 years. And then I look at Domingo Nene, reminding me very much of my parents. Many of you have met them all. And 52 years they were married. Others here that have been married for over 30 years. We have examples, people. We have examples to look to and say, hey, what, what's the success How's it work? What, what, what makes it work that long? Because see, the world says, staying in love, not probable, not highly likely. That's what the world will tell you. But God's word is here to remind us today to be sacrificing, be humble. And God will give you compassion for each other. God will give you love and and bless your marriage. Amen? Amen. So love is a verb. It's something we do. Amen. It's easy to fall in love if you take these steps of making love a verb. And if you do that, you're on your way to a love for a lifetime. A love for a lifetime, forever. To grow old with your spouse. As I told you last week, when I married Anna, I told her, I said, I want to grow old with you on a, on a porch. I want to be on a rocking chair and rocking away. Old Anna, old me, Rick, Pastor Rick, and just holding hands you know on a rock on a porch somewhere amen that's going to be a long time from now cuz i i ain't even close to being old amen amen thank you so here's the question this morning here's the challenge for each of you that are married here today those that are contemplating marriage does something else come before your spouse right now is your marriage really first Make your marriage first. Don't set it aside after your career, after your job, after, after uh, your hobby, golf, fishing, whatever. Fill that blank in. That shouldn't go ahead or be ahead of your marriage. That's a perfect recipe for disaster if you have something else above your marriage. And all the men and women here said amen. amen. <laughs> your marriage must come before your children. I know that's a hard thing for some parents to hear is that your marriage has to come before your children. It has to come before your pets. Before your beloved dogs and cats. Your marriage comes first. Making your marriage first means saying no to other things. Sometimes it says it means that I have to say no to going out and uh, watching uh, the Warriors game at my brother's house, and staying home and just being with Anna. Yeah, I'm just using that as an example. It could be something else for you. It means it means saving time and energy for your spouse every day. And here's the other key thing: protecting your marriage from marriage intruders. Okay, we all have marriage intruders. What that means is. If you have a date night and somebody gives you a call and, and invites you somewhere, no, no. That's when you step out and say, no, sorry. Oh, but we can double date. No. A date night isn't for somebody else. It's for you and your spouse. You and your spouse only. Sometimes we have to say no and we have to say, kids, you're going to stay home tonight. You got, there's food there in the refrigerator. You help yourself. But your mom and I, we're going to go out on a date. We're going to go to San Francisco today. We're going to spend the day together. You're going to stay home. Sometimes you have to do that. How many want to have a successful marriage today? Those are things you need to do in your household today. Young people here today, are you hearing this? you hearing it? That's what God wants for you today. If you're single here today, God wants you to, and desires for you to have a blessed relationship. But it's going to take work. It's going to take sacrificing for the other. And that's hard. Amen? I want to follow up and, and close this morning by, again, reading our text this morning that was found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Listen to these words carefully again. And and I want to ask you right now, is it describing your marriage this morning? Is it describing your love for your spouse? Is it describing how you treat others? First Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Is that the kind of love that you're demonstrating to your spouse? Is that the kind of love you're demonstrating to your children, your grandchildren? Is that the kind of love you're demonstrating to your co-workers? That's a tough, sacrificial love there. I'm not saying it's easy. But I am saying this, that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit and give you wisdom to live this out in your life today. Amen? How many received that this morning? And you want to have that growing in your heart daily. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father God, again we thank you this morning for the message of staying in love. Lord, it's so important what, what you have brought together and put together. Lord, we want to keep in covenant with you, and I pray, Lord, for every marriage here today, Father, that you would bless them, Father, that you would pour out your blessings of love, of of humbleness for every spouse, that they would recognize, Lord, that they need to love their spouse in a greater way today. Lord, in addition to making love a verb, an action word, that they need to step back And realize that they aren't the most important person in the relationship. The other is. And to build their spouse up. And Lord, in turn, by doing that, you're going to bless their marriage. You're going to pour out blessings on them, Father. Their children and their children's children will see the blessings of love on their marriage. And they will know and understand how to love correctly. How that Christ, you have asked us to love. So Lord, I pray that this...